The last time I spoke, or well, one of the last times I spoke, I was a youth pastor about three years ago. Now I'm an accountant, uh, so it might be different. But I was wearing a butt, I was wearing a button-up shirt, and uh, I was kind of back like this, and the thing was to the side, and there was a bunch of kids around, and high school kids, and then one of my good buddy kids uh, said, he raised his hand halfway through my little talk thing, and he said is that your belly button? And anyways, I missed a button right there, and it was wide open. You could see my belly button. And I was fatter than two, so it was a lot bigger. So too much pizza. Anyways. All right. Let's start with that. Um, so so we've, been in, we're been, we've been doing or going through the book of Luke. And uh, we're kind of toward, well, halfway through the first chapter. So that sets us to get done with the done with it in about 2015 or something like that. Uh, but uh, Aaron, he's in, uh, he's in Houston right now speaking at Church Project uh, Houston, or Church Project Big Time. It's the big one. It's like our little big brother. But uh, so he's, spe- he's speaking there, and uh, man, it's, it's pretty cool, just the group of people that, that we're all involved in. And, and though we might seem small, uh, man, they're praying for us, and man, God's been doing some cool things even here. And and uh, I mean, from a few weeks ago, just having our little circle church thing to to now, I mean, there's a few more people showing up, and man, it's been good to see God work, and uh, it's been cool to see how God just provided for us. And and I'm super grateful to be here, and uh, I'm thankful for Jesus back in the back keeping it sounding good. Uh, thankful for Jeremy singing and stuff, and Allie, and and everybody that Brittany, um, Robbie. I mean everybody. It, it's really cool, and uh, and just kind of a background, I guess. What's been ha- or what's kind of cool about this place is uh, Aaron has had. Uh, he's just wanted to cover this place in prayer, and so we meet. Uh, a group of dudes uh, just meet beforehand and we, and we pray and just talk about stuff and and pray for each other and we want to make sure like that we're uh, just being faithful and praying for for you guys for this community and all that stuff and uh, man it's been it's been really cool and uh, so many cool things we've been able to pray about we've been able to uh, just pray for healing from sin, from physical stuff, and and it's cool. So, anyways, I I don't know where that was really going, but uh, so I'm gonna start. I'm gonna go ahead and read real quick what we're going over, and then uh, from there I'm probably gonna jump off of that and kind of speak what is kind of on my heart, I guess, and uh, we'll kind of see if it coincides. But if not, don't hold me to it, and because uh, I'm an accountant. I'll play that one for a while. Um, So Luke 1, verse 26. If you have your Bibles, you could pull them out and go to that. Um, This is, uh, Aaron is letting me speak about the the, uh, time when the Virgin Mary uh, gets pregnant by the Holy Spirit. So that'll be fun. In the sixth month... In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered 
what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of the father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. So how will this be, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Let's pray real quick. God, thank you. Uh, man, thank you for your word, and I thank you for uh, just all that you've done for us. Man, and I pray that, uh, that whatever you want me to say, I say, and whatever you don't, you just mess up. God, we thank you and we love you, and uh, in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so pretty much what I'm going to go through is kind of, it's pretty much how I go through the Bible. And, um, and I think it's just good to kind of see maybe sometimes, see how other people kind of go through the Bible and what kind of springboards or what kind of routes they take. Because a lot of times people say, read the Bible, and so you read the Bible and you don't really learn exactly what you're doing. You know, So you're just reading the Bible and you say, okay, good. And then you get on Facebook or whatever you want to do. But uh, so, so this is the Bible according to Jared's mind, I guess. Or like every morning I wake up, I have my coffee, I have, now I have toast and peanut butter and a banana. And I eat that and I read the Bible. And this is going to be kind of how it goes for me. And so, so I'm reading this. And, it, and it's talking about um, the angel coming to Mary. And last week we saw, or Aaron talked about uh, the, uh, the angel coming to Zechariah. Or the whole, was it God? Or someone was talking to Zechariah and said, Hey, you're going to have a baby. Same mess, or I mean the same originator, I guess. But uh, said, Zechariah, you're going to have a baby. And he said, How? I'm old. And he doubted and he got shut up and couldn't. I guess he couldn't hear and I guess he couldn't talk, so he was just silent for a long time. The wives might like that, I don't know. But I think my wife likes to listen to me. Um, but anyway, so we saw how, we saw how Zechariah kind of doubted. And, and, uh, and then in this scripture, we see the uh, angel of the Lord coming to Mary and saying, Hey, look, you're going to be pregnant. And we could kind of say, like, well, Zechariah doubted. Mary kind of doubted by saying, how can this be? But when you think about it, um, uh, the, uh, Zechariah had the chance to have a baby because they were married and they were able to have a baby probably. Mary was not. She was a virgin. She was not married. And so you could kind of see a little doubt in that. But anyways, as we kind of go on, it's, it, it, uh, it talks, and then, and then Mary submits and says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to you, or may it be to me, as you have said. So it kind of shows how, 
it, and it kind of talks, or it kind of leads me to the thing. At first, I say, "Wow, Mary was some special lady. She, she is uh, giving the baby Jesus to hold in her stomach or wherever babies are held." And uh, I'm not a nurse. And anyways, so she was given the chance to carry the baby Jesus, and uh, and I think that's special. And then in my mind, because I'm not really a woman and I'm not really, I don't really know what it'd be like to be pregnant, nor will I ever. But in my mind, I think, I try to apply it to my life and I say, you know what? God has given us, each of us, once we accept Jesus Christ, the ability to carry Jesus Christ. And so, and so Mary was pregnant with Jesus, and that's awesome. And God has given each of us Jesus. And that's just as awesome. And, um, and to me, I, I think, um, there, you know, there's a lot of times when it, it, in like preaching and stuff like that um, that I hear that, but I really don't know what it, I don't know, I, I just don't know how to apply it, I guess. And so pretty much, what I want to do is just make this simple. And I want to make this um, just like a conversation. Because, uh, man, I mean, we've been given something so special. I mean, there's... I guess I'll start with, with the first thing you do when you accept Jesus is you repent, you know? And, and, you, get, and you get straight with God. And you get to the point where, you know what? This is a new person. I am a new person, and I'm moving forward with this. And then we kind of live life, and then we stumble, and then we look at stuff we shouldn't look, look at, or we, we say things we shouldn't say, or we get involved with things we shouldn't be getting involved with, or we ingest things that we shouldn't ingest, or whatever, and then all of a sudden we become broken. And we become these people that, that we feel like are damaged goods. And then we come to the point, we come to church and we have some good worship and we have some good time and, and, and we're not letting it fill us because we're broken. And so the preacher thing to say is, don't worry about where you were, what you've done, all that stuff. And we could talk about that and, and that gets talked about a lot. Letting go of all your past. And I'm saying that's good and you need to do that. But my thing is, is where you go from there. And, and, and if you call on the name of Christ, and if you are saved, and if you believe that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, He was put on that cross, He, he hung there and He died for you, and then He raised to redeem you, that means way more than just being free from the old man, being free from the old sin. That means you live life, and you live life to the fullest. And so that's what I want to talk about. Um, I have these notes, and they're not really working because I don't even know where I'm at. But the, the point today is coming from this whole Mary thing and, and carrying Jesus and all that is we need to live a life of faith in Jesus, and that means living a life of love. Because 
like I've said 15 times, once we accept Jesus, we need to live it. And uh, if we're expecting Greeley to all of a sudden, like, fall in love with God, we better make sure that, that we are living right. Because we don't want them to fall in love with a God that, that's fake. We don't want them to fall in love with a God that has a bunch of servants that run around untrue. And we don't want to have Greeley fall in love with a God that is represented by people that are not genuine and that do not love and that do not look at them in the face and actually love them. Um, there's a bunch of verses that I kind of summarize in First John uh, 3, verse 11. It kind of it says, this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. And a few verses down, it says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid, his down, laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. And then uh, verse down, 18. Dear children, let us not love with our words or tongue, but with our actions and in truth. And then Ephesians 4, verse 2 says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient bearing with one another in love. Keep the unity of the Spirit. Verse 15 tells us to speak with truth and love, and we'll grow to be like Christ. And so it's kind of this pretty picture that we just love each other, and we put others first, and we do all this stuff, and what's it going to cause? It's going to cause unity. And when we cause unity, people like to be a part of a club, and people like to be a part of something uh, that's bigger than them. And, and if we, as Church Project Greeley, are coming together and loving each other and serving each other and, and being humble and being gentle and, and just loving each other and loving people that come in contact with us, it's going to become a sticky place. And people are not going to want to leave. And people are going to want to come. And... And that's not for selfish reasons, but that's because people are going to be feeling the love of Jesus Christ. Because really, you can read a bunch of stuff about Jesus and think, oh, he's a good man. That's what most of the world says. But when you actually show that who God is, who Jesus is through our actions, that's when people fall in love with Jesus Christ. And I was telling the dudes earlier uh, when we were talking, I mean, the Christians in this world, we've kind of lost it. You know, we used to be the definition of love, I think. Uh, we used to be kind of the... We used to be the advocates for love. And all of a sudden, I feel like... Man, it feels like a lot of people come down on the Christians. And a lot of people don't really think we love. They think other people love. And I think they're probably mainly right. We're pretty judgmental, and we're pretty weird, and we, and we kind of hold some really strong views on things and whatnot. But man, we just got to love. And so, um, a couple more verses. It, uh, Colossians three twelve through 14 tells, tells us to clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. To forgive each other and put on love, which binds this, all this stuff together. 
um, Colossians 2, 6-7 states, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in Him, rooted and built up, strengthened in the faith you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. And so, um, I, I really, really, really... I mean, this is probably... I, I don't know. I don't really know exactly what I'm saying, except that we just need to love. And uh, and I will say that um, it is so important beyond these walls. Um, I'll bring it back to work a little bit. And I will say there's times when I don't want to love people at work. There's times when I don't want to love my boss. And there's times when I want to be negative and I want to speak negatively towards my work. And I want to say how boring it is because I'm an accountant. Yeah, it is boring, but, but it's good. But I'll ask you these questions because I want this to be practical. Are you the most positive person you work with? You know, when you go to work, are you the most positive person? Are you the person that is the most joyful? Um, because we should be. You know? Are you the most loving person you you work with? And this isn't a judgmental thing. Say, yeah, I'm better than her. Yeah, you should be, though. You know? I mean, we're supposed to be light to a dying place. And we need to be the most loving people that we work with. We... Even if you work with your spouse, you need to love more than her or your kids or whatever. You need to be the most loving person in your workplace. And then another one is, are you the most patient person in your workplace? Do you let people say whatever they want pretty much? And you do you just let them? Uh, I don't know. Are you the patient person? Are you the humble servant of your workplace? and uh, Or school or whatever. Or wherever you're involved throughout the week. That, to me, are some pretty good checks. Um, Like Jeremy was saying, a lot of it is about perspective. And a lot of issues go on in our mind. And we worry about a lot of things that we probably shouldn't worry about. But we got to realize that we need to be the most positive. We need to be the most loving. We need to be the most encouraging. And uh, frankly, we need to be the most grateful people in our workplace. And then I'll ask you kind of the same questions. Are you the most positive person in your family? Um, Sometimes a family gets drugged behind uh, from a busy workplace or a busy work life. And sometimes uh, the family kind of gets left in the dust. But are you the most positive person in your family? And are you the most loving person in your family? And are you the most patient person in your family? Because uh, if we're all striving to be the most loving, patient, and, uh, and positive people in our families, I feel like our families are going to like it more. <laughs> and I feel like all the little things that we might get in arguments about will be gone because we're striving to be so loving and patient. And, um, and that, to me, is, is, uh, is so important. 
And then the last one, I, or not the last one, but the last little question, I guess, is are you the most generous person in your workplace? And are you the most generous person in your family? And, uh, and that's not just about mo- money and such, but that's with your time. There's a lot of times when Shannon will be talking about her nursing stuff and I will kind of look at her, but not really. I'll just kind of glaze, glaze over and, and nod my head. And, and then 15 minutes later, thankfully she doesn't ask a question about what she just talked about because I just have the probably the look of death. I don't know. But I'm not patient with her all the time. And I don't sit there and look at her in the face for who she is and, and, and listen. Because that's what we need to be. We need to be generous with our time. And that goes for kids, that goes for adults. But we just need to make sure that people know that we love them through our time and being generous with it. My parents, I don't read any books. I read the Bible and that's about it. I don't have the patience. But my parents read some book about love languages, I think, and one of the quotes, or maybe it was purpose-driven something or other, but they said something, something along the lines of the best way to show love is through time. And the best time to love is now. Or It was like a poem, but... <laughs> or something. But anyways, we can give time. We have plenty of it. And so and so we need to be those people. We need to be those people that are just loving like crazy in our workplace. We need to be the people that people laugh at because we give time to people and we'll joke with people and we'll have so much fun with people and they'll think there's something wrong in our heads because it's stress time and you're just laughing. I like to always do a spin move when I'm wearing my leather bottom shoes on the carpet because it's pretty nice. But I feel like that's how I show love to a few of the people because they won't laugh for anything. But I could almost get them to crack a smile. But it's like, how, you, we all need to look for ways that we could bless people through a little love or through a little joy or through something because the world's tough. And if we're generous and we're uh, thankful and all that at work, we can change the way that people see Christ, Christians, in the church. Because we are different. And we're not just different at church, but we look for ways to bless people. And we look for ways to, to love people. Um, there's this little article that... And I, I don't like reading articles because I feel like you kind of forget. I don't know, maybe this will only be good for me, but if anything, it'll take two minutes of my time and then I'll be done. Uh, so, whatever. <laughs> So go ahead and listen. I'll try to read this nice um, and uh, nice and clear and such. But this is about gratitude. And it says, if you're not exercising this emotional muscle, I already blew it because this dude set it up. It's about gratitude. If you're not exercising this emotional muscle, you're probably setting yourself up for failure. I'm utterly convinced that the key to lifelong success is the regular exercise of a single emotional muscle, gratitude. People who approach life with a sense of gratitude and constantly and are constantly aware of what's wonderful in their life because they enjoy the fruits of their successes, they seek out more successes. And when things don't go as planned, 
People who are grateful can put failure into perspective. By contrast, people who lack gratitude are never truly happy. If they succeed at a task, they don't enjoy it. For them, a string of successes is like trying to fill a bucket with a huge leak at the bottom. And failure and failure invariably makes them bitter, angry, and discouraged. Therefore, if you want to be successful, you need to feel, feel more gratitude. Fortunately, gratitude, like most emotions, is like a muscle. The more you use it, the stronger and the more resilient it becomes. And then it says, practice nightly. The best time to exercise gratitude is just before bed. Take out your tablet electronic or otherwise, and record the events of the day that created positive emotions, either in you or in those around you. Did you, de did you help somebody solve a problem? Write it down. Did you connect with a colleague or a friend? Write it down. Did you make somebody smile? Write it down. What you're doing is programming your brain to view your day more positively. You're throwing mental focus on what worked well, and shrugging off what didn't. As a result, you'll sleep better, and you'll wake up more refreshed. More important, you're also programming your brain to notice even more reasons to feel gratitude. You'll quickly disco discover that even a bad day is full of moments that are worthy of gratitude. Success becomes sweeter, failure less sour. The more regularly you practice this exercise, the stronger its effects. Over time, your gratitude muscle will become so strong that you'll attract more success. And this is kind of about success stuff. You'll find yourself thanking people more often. That's good for you and good for them. This method works. If you don't believe me, try it at least once a week. You'll be amazed at the huge difference that it makes. Anyways, <laughs> if we're grateful and we are thankful to people, it does make a difference. People love to get a little stupid card that you buy from Target for $2 or $4 for 10 of them that say, hey, thanks, I appreciate what you've done. Or, hey, thanks, man, your tie is real nice or whatever. But people love, people love to be thanked. And, and when we're more grateful, it's true. We do realize things. And we do see more things that we're thankful for. And it's like a switch. I was real down one day. I was walking down the stairs of my workplace, and I was like, man, this job is terrible. I'm going to quit, or I'm going to jump out the window. But it's only a story and a half, so it wouldn't do anything. <laughs> but, uh, but then I thought to myself, you know what? It's not that bad. And all of a sudden, I was like, I just need to make other people's lives better. So I kind of, I waste a lot of time at work. I go around to every office and talk to everybody. And during tax time, if, if you don't know how accountants take time, but we uh, bill ourselves out every six minutes. So we have to make sure we document every six minutes of our day for up to 12 hours a day or whatever. And so that wastes a lot of time talking with people. And that's kind of hard to explain out, so I don't. But... <laughs> But we need to be those people that go around and make people smile, that make people happy, that show a lot of gratitude, that go out and just are thankful. And if you haven't been thankful to people, start now. And if you haven't been the, the, bright, more, the bright star of your workplace, start now. And it's not that big of a deal. You could start now. You could start tomorrow. But, but you need to start. And this isn't a thing that, that's saying, you know... Um, it, it's not a thing where you have to get perfect and you have to, oh, I need to go ask for forgiveness before I could be happy. No, you could start now. And, and man, it will change things. 
And people will write you letters that shock you. I got one this week from a, from a guy who's, who's my friend, but he wrote some really nice things. And I couldn't believe it. But at the same time, you know, that's Jesus. And God has given each one of us Jesus to carry around and be different. And to show people how much love He's given us so we can, we can share it. And so that's my encouragement this week. Um, I don't really know. Uh, I mean, that's pretty much just the practical thing. Um, I like practical stuff. I like stuff that we could just work on as a group. And I guarantee that if we are thankful and we are grateful and that we are full of love, a lot of things are going to change. We might start liking, liking our accounting jobs more, maybe, or whatever. But um, So that's my encouragement.